This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles this morning to the Great Commission, to uh, Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to look this morning at verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28 and verses 18 through 20, sometimes called the, the Great Commission, and we're talking this morning about the commission to reach your one that Jesus has given to us. Matthew 28, and we're going to look this morning at just three verses of Scripture at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 28, and let's look at verses 18 through 20. And let me ask you to stand again for the reading of God's Word. As we look really at the marching orders of our King, this is our assignment as believers just before Jesus ascended into heaven. He gave this commission to all of his followers, and it is this. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. You can be seated. So, Lord, this is our prayer, and we pray that you would help us to to see this morning like never before that this is not just sort of a a general commission uh, that is sort of given this a a nice option that we might want to take as believers. This is your command to each one of us as a follower of Christ that we would seek to make other followers of Christ. We pray that you would move and work among us today for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the most interesting figures of the Civil War was the Union General George McClellan. On paper, President Lincoln could not have found a better man to lead his army. McClellan was brilliant. He was the youngest cadet ever to matriculate at West Point. He was only 15 when he started there and graduated at the top of his class. He was loved by his men. The morale of the army was high. McClellan was a great organizer and trainer. Uh, The Army of the Potomac was drilled to pinpoint precision and they were locked and loaded and and ready to be unleashed upon a very vulnerable confederate army which they outnumbered two to one but there was one problem mcclellan would not fight he would not fight he sat back he delayed and delayed and delayed. One day in in exasperation, exasperation, President Lincoln said, if General McClellan is not going to use the army, I'd like to borrow it for a while. Finally, Lincoln had no choice but to fire George McClellan, because ultimately a a military man who will not fight when, when fighting is necessary is 
is useless. And when it comes to the church, and when it comes to our Christian lives, you know, we can engage in all kinds of good things, but if we're not engaged in one great thing, then we are failing at the assignment that Jesus has given us. And that one great thing that he calls the church to and that he calls us to as individual believers is to make disciples. So let's, let's look today, and, and if you want to take notes, um, you have the opportunity to, to, to do that on the, on the back of your, of your bulletin. But the first thing that we see is this. Making disciples is the mission for every believer. Making disciples is the mission for every believer. Let's look at verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, a lot of times here, and especially at our church, uh, we, we make a lot of that phrase, um, all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. And we're heavily involved around the world in giving to missions and doing mission trips and going a long ways to serve internationally. But this great commission does not begin thousands of miles away. It begins in our own lives where we live. With the people that God has put in our lives. And so that's what we're going to focus on mainly today. Now there's something here that's really clear in the original Greek that this was written in. It's not as clear in English. If you look at verse 19, you see the word go there at the beginning of, of verse 19. Um, and then you see the word baptizing in verse 19 as well. And then at the beginning of verse 20, you see the word teaching. Well, what's super clear in the original is that, that go and, and baptizing and teaching, all three of those words are participles. And what that means is that these three words, these three participles, they all point back to one dominant controlling verb. And that one dominant controlling verb in the Great Commission is what you see highlighted. Make disciples. Make disciples. In other words, the going, the baptizing, and the teaching are only good insofar as they contribute to the making of disciples. And as we've talked about over the last several weeks, an essential part of being a disciple is, is being a disciple maker. <laughs> if you're truly a disciple of Jesus, then you care about helping other people become disciples as well. The first week of this series, we looked at Mark 117, where Jesus says there, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And so part of following Jesus is helping other people become followers of Jesus. That is part of loving people. We were lost and we have been found, as we just sung earlier in the service, well, Part of being a found person is 
finding other people? Can you point to, to, to another person in our church who is, is here today because of your direct influence? Can you point to another person in our church that you are helping to grow to maturity? God's mission in your life and God's mission for our church is to make disciples who make disciples. The mission statement of our church is to glorify Christ by making disciples who make disciples in our community and around the world. Now, now again, we can do all kinds of good things as a church, and you can do all kinds of good things in your life, but if we're not doing this thing, then we're missing out on the assignment that Jesus has given to us. Listen, have you ever had a day where you just, I mean, you're busy from the beginning of the day all the way to the very end, I mean, but you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, what did I really do? <laughs> you know you know the kind of day I'm talking about. I mean, you get up and you are literally, you are running ragged. I mean, you just don't stop from early in the morning until the time you put your head on the pillow at night. But it's one of those days where you get to the end of the day and you put your head down and you're like, what did I even do? Like, what did I do today? You know, we, we, we've all been there, but we don't, we don't want to be there as a church. And we don't want to be there in our lives when it comes to the Great Commission. We don't want to be so busy doing other things that we're not doing the one great thing that Jesus has commanded us to do in the Great Commission. So making disciples is the mission for every believer. Second, let's talk about how to become a disciple maker. And I, what I want to do here is we, we want to talk about five just kind of basic principles for becoming disciple makers. <clears throat> and the first one is this, walk with God. Walk with God. Listen, nobody wants to hear you talk in the talk if you're not walking the walk. <laughs> and furthermore, they're not going to listen to you if you're talking the talk, but you're not walking the walk. It begins with walking with God your, your, yourself. Now listen, your lost friends do not expect you to be perfect. They don't, but they do expect you to be real. <laughs> they, they expect us to, to be real. They expect us to, to have an authentic walk with God where, where we, are, we are genuinely seeking to love God and love other people. And Galatians 5 and verse 6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. But listen, part of loving people is telling them about Jesus. People do not get saved by osmosis. The gospel is news. And by very definition, you know, it is, it is words, it is news that has to be communicated we have to talk about Jesus to people in our lives. You, you know, you, you've heard me uh, use the quote before by, that's attributed, falsely attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. He did not say this, but poor guy, th this bad quote gets attributed to, to him all the time. And the, and the bad quote is this, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. That would be like me asking you, hey, can I have your cell number? If necessary, use digits. It is digits, 
Okay, the, the gospel is news. It's, it's words about Christ that by definition have to be spoken. And so yes, it begins with an authentic walk with, 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 with Christ, with our lives. But if we really love people, then we're gonna share with people through our lips as well and tell them the good news of what our Savior has, has done, right? So it's a walk, it's, it's, it's sharing with our lips, but it's, it's backed up by our lives, by walking with God, okay? Second principle, own the assignment. Own the assignment. There are five words, five words as we pop that up right now. And I want everybody here, if you're a believer, I want you to turn to the person beside you right now and say to them, my job is making disciples. Everybody, right now, all across this room. My job is making disciples. Because you've got to quit saying that this is somebody else's job, like your pastor's, right? This is all of our jobs, right? We are here to make disciples. New Testament scholar D.A. Carson says this, it is binding on all Jesus' disciples to make others what they themselves are, disciples of Jesus Christ. Now maybe that seems overwhelming to you, but I want to encourage you with something. Better yet, let, let Jesus encourage you with something. Let's look at Matthew 4 and, and, and verse 19. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you. And so in other words, if we come before God with, with, with an open, willing heart, and we say, Lord, I, want, I know you've called me to be a disciple maker, and I, want to be, I love you, and I want to be obedient to that. Would you show me how? He will show you how. He will make you to fish for people. And furthermore, when we do that, we go out under his authority in doing that. We're not kind of like doing this on our own, in our own authority. No. What does Jesus say in Matthew 28, 18? He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, right? Furthermore, we're not doing this alone. We're doing this with him. With him. He is present with us as we do it. What does he say in verse 20? And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Third principle for disciple making is to understand the method, which is life on life. Life on life. Let's look at Mark 3 and, and verse 14. It says that he appointed 12 who he named apostles to be with him. Listen, Jesus spent time with people. <laughs> Read the Gospels. Jesus spends lots of time with people, investing in people, pouring into people, reaching out to people. Part of loving people is spending time with people. But listen, this goes against the grain of where our culture is going. People in our culture, at least in, in, in the West and in, in America, we are becoming more and more of an isolated culture. 
where neighbors don't know one another, where people come home to their, their home or their apartment and they close the door and they hole up. You know what I'm talking about. The temptation is just to hole up, you know, and spend, spend most of our life with our head, you know, engrossed in a screen or sitting on our rear ends and looking at a larger screen. And so more and more and more people are just becoming isolated and, and, and lonely. And what that does is it creates an incredible opportunity for the church. Unfortunately, even as believers, we are not immune to culture. And the temptation is for us to join in just holding up and with withdrawing from people and just becoming more and more and more into ourselves. Or if we do spend time with other people, it's just kind of like our own family. Or if we spend time with anybody beyond our own family, maybe it's just we spend all of our time with people who are already believers. And guys, for the sake of the gospel and the glory of God, we have got to get out of that. We've got to get out of that. And we've got to open up our lives to other people and spend time with people who, who don't yet know the Savior. And spend some time with maybe some, some believers who need to be strengthened in their walk with the Lord. That's discipleship. It's life on life. Fourth, do normal life with gospel intentionality. Do normal life with gospel intentionality. Someone once said that, and I believe this, that about 75% of disciple making is informal. It's informal. It's not a, it's not a program. You know, it's, not, it's, 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 it's just life. It's doing your normal life with a purpose, with, with gospel intentionality. In other words, it's doing the things in your life that you would normally do, but just involving other people in doing that. You know, think about it. You eat 21 meals a week, give or take a few. What if, what if we use at least a few of those <laughs> to, to reach out to other people? to invest in, 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 other, in other people. I mean, you know, we may skip a lot of things in our lives. We're not going to skip eating. It's just not going to happen. What about if we just kind of use that time to invest in other people? When you read the Gospels, you see this over and over and over again. Read them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How many times do you see Jesus across the table from people? People that he's reaching out to. You know, people that he's investing in. Use meals. You know, if you were to add kind of, you know, uh, snacks or coffee, you know, ice cream or yogurt or coffee or whatever, kind of going out another time. If you add those times to meals, then it just the opportunities to spend time with people just multiplies even more. To, to be across the table with them to to spend time with with people and so listen eating eating is a normal thing or you know going for coffee or whatever if that's 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 a normal thing involve other people um here's a super practical thing 
that you can do. I, 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 you can do this this afternoon. Take your, take your phone out and go to your contact list and find three people in your contact list that don't know the Lord, that need a church family that you can shoot a text to and they can make a time to get together and grab a meal or coffee with them. Think about other stuff that you do anyway. What do you do? I mean, what do you do, right? If, you know, think about, think about um, if you work out, you know, if you run or if you go to the gym or if you've got a hobby that you spend lots of time, uh, do it. Hey, just involve other people in that. You know, watch a game, invite somebody to come and, and do it with you. If you're taking the kids on a play date or whatever, and involve, involve other people with things that you're going to do anyway. That, that's what we mean when we talk about kind of doing normal life with gospel intentionality. I mean, think about your job. I mean, how much time do we spend on our, our vocation? And for some of you, uh, your vocation right now is school. Okay, right now, that's your job. So how much of our lives is, is spent there? Well, listen, if God is sovereign and God is at work in this world, then what that means is that he has put you where you are, in your job, in your vocation, in your school, he has put you there with a purpose. And that you might not always be there, you might not always be in that job or always be in that school, but right now you are. And God has done that for a purpose. It is not accidental. And so there's a whole network of relationships that comes from that. I love what J.D. Greer says about this. He says, God gives you your vocation in part as a platform or network of relationships through which you can make disciples. Think about church. I mean, most of the people in this room regularly come to church. Church is a normal thing for you. It's normal for you to come to a worship service. It's normal, you know, for you to go to a Sunday school class. It's normal for you to go to a, you know, a, a fellowship event or a ministry event that's linked to our church, okay? That's a normal thing for you. But listen, why not involve other people in that that are not yet here and that are not yet in Christ, and so when you think about going to church and church activities, begin to think about other people who are not here yet. And they're not in any church and they're not in Christ. And so begin to think that way about people. Listen, every time that this church gathers for worship, the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be proclaimed. You bring your friend to church, I am not going to embarrass you. I am not going to burn you. You bring your friend to church, they are going to hear the good news of Jesus. It is guaranteed. But you gotta bring them. You gotta bring them. And so begin, when you begin to think about church, right? When you just, the, our normal Sunday services, when you think about that, you think that's an opportunity. Like every week, that's an opportunity to bring somebody with me or any event that we have at the church or fellowship events outside the church where believers are. And so do normal life with gospel intentionality. Fifth, speak the gospel and invite people. Speak the gospel and invite 
people. Now, all three of those words are really important. First of all, speak. The gospel is news. It, by definition, has to be spoken in order to be conveyed. Second, speak the gospel. (laughs) Speak the gospel. I want to be super, super clear at this point. The gospel is what Jesus has done. The word gospel means good news. It literally means that, right? The word gospel comes from euangelion in Greek. It literally means good news. So what is the good news that we must speak? It is what Jesus has done. That we are separated from God by our sins, but the glorious good news is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead so that we can be forgiven and so that we can have eternal life. That is the gospel. Now, it's great for us to, you know, to share our testimonies and God can use our, our own faith story to, to bring others to faith. But, but if, we, if you share your testimony and you, don't, and you don't talk about the work of Christ, you don't talk about the cross and you don't talk about the resurrection, you have not shared the gospel. If you just tell people, hey, God has changed my life, I mean, that's a, that's a good thing, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is what Christ has done. It is the good news of what Christ has done that We were separated from God by our sins, but God loved us so much that he gave his son who died on the cross for our sins so that we can be forgiven and who rose from the dead so that we can have eternal life. That's the good news. How long did that just take me to share that? 10 seconds? So a gospel conversation might be 10 seconds. It might be 10 minutes. (laughs) It might be two hours over meal or coffee, depending on the, the situation, right? But, but how, what, however long or short, like that information has to be conveyed for you to share the gospel. The gospel is what Jesus has done and dying on the cross for sinners and rising from the dead that we can have eternal life. Whatever else you say, you must say that. And so speak the gospel and invite Let people know that this is an open door that they can walk through, that the work has been done. It's been done by Christ. It's finished. And now the door is open to salvation, to eternal life, and invite them to walk through that open door. Let them know that this is a free gift. This is not something that they can earn, but it's like any free gift. For it to really be be ours, what do we have to do? We have to receive it. So how do we receive this free gift? We do that through repentance and faith, right? By turning and trusting in Jesus. Turning from trying to do life our own way apart from him and turning to Jesus and trusting. Trusting in the glorious good news of what he's done for us. That he died for my sins and that he rose from the dead. And, and, and we're, 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 we're welcoming him into our lives as our savior and Lord. We're taking our hands off the controls and we're yielding them to Christ invite them, invite them into that life. Now listen, you are not responsible for their response. (laughs) There's no pressure on you. You're not responsible for anyone's response. 
right? All we're called to do is to share this good news and, in, and invite people. And we let the Holy Spirit work in their lives. Um, so just a couple of things here from my heart, right? First of all, this is part of loving people. Again, this is part of loving people. This is part of loving the people in your life. Listen, if you were in possession of a cure for cancer or Alzheimer's, you would not keep that to yourself. There's no way you would not keep that remedy to yourself. But as a believer, you're in possession of something infinitely more important than that. You're in possession of the only remedy that can allow people to have eternal life and be reconciled to God. Part of loving people is sharing that remedy with them. So this is part of of loving people. Second, any gospel conversation is a win. (laughs) Any gospel conversation is is a win. Listen, whatever people's response is, again, you're not responsible for their response. Your job is just to love people and tell them about Jesus. It's that simple. Love people in your life and tell them about Jesus. But it's one thing to talk about love in the abstract. You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, you know, I love lost people. It's one thing to say, yeah, I I believe in evangelism. It's another thing to make that real and specific with the names of real people. Real names, real people who have real souls. So that this is not something with you that just sort of, hey, I believe this in the abstract. No, no, like this is real. These are real people, right? That's why we're doing this today. That's why we're writing down names, right? Because these people are real. They have real, real people, real souls, real people who will spend eternity in heaven or hell. Who's your one? What are we asking you to do with your one? What does God ask you to do with your one? Three simple things. First of all, pray for your one. Pray for your one. Why? Because God can do things in the lives of people that we cannot do. God is the one who opens hearts. And so be praying for your one. Be praying for the Holy Spirit to soften their hearts. You'd be praying for the Holy Spirit to be working through providence and circumstances and all kinds of things in their lives to bring them to himself, to work in their hearts and be praying for him to use you. He's put you in their lives. One of the things that they have going for them is that they have at least one believer in their life who can pray for them. Pray for your one. In fact, think about it this way. Push pray. P-U-S-H. Think about that as an acronym. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Keep praying for them. Don't give up. Second, share the gospel with your one. Share the gospel with your one. Um, for many people in our culture understand that, you know, it's not just going to be one gospel conversation. It's going to be it's going to be many, and, and, and it takes patience, and it takes love, right? But, 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 be, but share the gospel with them. Share the good news of what Christ has done with them so that they can understand. Third, 
invite your one to church. Invite your one to church. You belong to a church family that is about the gospel, where the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed. Invite them to church where they are gonna be and they're gonna hear the gospel even more and even furthermore, they're gonna be around other people that will love the Lord and that will love them and welcome them. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you wanna spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.